have it here on our slides, pending that I have better luck with my slides than Carrie does. So let's see if it's, let's see if it's going to work here. Let's hope. Oh, yeah. Yes. Get it for this, the people in the back, too. This is awesome. This makes you feel so fancy. Uh, Mark 6, chapter, uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 45 through 56. Uh, we are coming off the heels in this scripture where we're going here. Jesus is coming off one of the coolest miracles we're going to talk about a little bit later. And this is one of my favorite miracles um, to talk about. And there's this part, as I was reading, that goes in between this miracle leading into another miracle that it, it seems like a lot, but really it doesn't seem like a lot's happening. But it's just been something that's been tugging on my heart. And uh, I wanted to read it to you guys today and just kind of share what God's been putting on my heart. So it goes here and it says, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side of Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. In verse 46, And then after that, he had taken leave of them. He went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on sea, and he was alone on the land. So what we got here is Jesus has instructed his disciples on the heels of this miracle to go into this boat and to cross this sea. And he's going to take some time for himself to pray. So it seems simple enough, simple instructions, and it looks like they're following. So far, so good, right? Oh, no. It's not working now. Now I see what he's telling. There we go. Uh, It goes on to say, and he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. I want you guys, if you have it in your Bible, something to underline, he came to them. Would you say that with me? He came to them. All right. It says, he meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, They thought it was a ghost, and they began to cry out. For they all saw him, and they were terrified. Say that with me. Terrified. But immediately, underline immediately, immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them. And as soon as that happened, the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about the loaves. But their hearts were hardened. It continues on to say, when they had crossed over, they have come to the land of Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him, him being Jesus. And they ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard Jesus was. And wherever he came, in the villages, the cities, or the countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces, implored him that they might even touch even the fringe of his garments. And many who touched were made well. You see, guys, I, I think something God has been showing me, especially this week, has been this idea of storms. How many of you guys 
have been through some storms. How many of you guys are well weathered, <laughs> you know? I'm not just talking about in your aging faces. I'm kidding. <laughs> How many of you guys are well weathered just emotionally? You ever feel that? Spiritually, you are in some storms. Maybe you're going through some. This week, I felt the same way. But this idea has been coming into my head. This idea that when the storms of life come, and trust me, they do. This idea that hope, hope can change that mindset. Hope in itself, even when we have to go through the storms, the fear of going overboard is not a concern because hope floats. I want to pray this morning as we dive more into this idea that God's been really putting into my life. Is that all right with you guys? Let's give credit where credit's due. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. God, I pray that you just speak, Lord, through your scriptures and your passages. Help us to see more in this small lesson that you tried to teach so many years ago, God, that we can start to understand a little bit more about what it means to go through the storms of life. Help us to see more of what you want And God, help us to really be empowered. Help us to encounter your spirit in real ways this morning, God, because you are here in this place. So, Lord, we love you and we praise you. And all the church said, all the church said, Amen. amen. Thank you so much. Recently this year, my wife and I took a trip. How many of you guys have ever taken family trips or such like that? You've taken family trips? You guys need to get out more. Or you just got to stretch those arms a little better, you know? My wife and I took a trip. We went to Paris, France. Oh, wee oui, wee, oui, yes. We went to Paris, France. Now, if you know me, I am not a travel guy. I am not even just a homebody. I'm more of a in my garage on my leather recliner body. Mm. Some of you, I'm preaching the gospel right now. I'm not a travel guy. I'd, rather, I'd much rather be in Paris, California than be in Paris, France. Let me tell you that right now. And that's saying something. There was a point when we were on the flight, you know, and they have the little trackers now. You know, you have the little picture and they show you how far you've gone. So misleading, so misleading. And you see there and you're like, oh, we haven't even gone that far. And then it says like, from home, you're like 3,000 miles away. And you're like, I'm 3,000 miles that far away from my bed. Oh my, this is, this is something. But we left, and when we left to, well, we left to Paris, we went from L.A., to Paris. L.A. to Paris. And you know one of the things I hate the most about traveling? I was really thinking about it because my wife always, she's just an adventurer. And that's what I love the most about her because she really brings that out of me because I would just, I would never leave my house and I would just, uh, I'd, be, I'd be just like, I don't know what I'd be without my wife, but I know that she's pushed me to be more of an adventurer and to see the world a little bit more. And She asked me, why why do you hate traveling so much? What's so wrong about it? And I was like, I don't know. I really thought about it. And one of the things I hate about traveling so much is that the terms and the words that these frequent travelers use, they're deceiving. They're very misleading, okay? Because when we got to there, she said, we're we're going to Paris. I said, I took her to go to Paris. This is her dream to go. And And I told her, you know, I hate flying. I'm afraid of heights. I don't like being far away from home, and I don't know how TV works there. I don't like being not understood, and I don't know. The, I think one of the hardest parts was 
when we get there, there's no In-N-Out or Walmart. What are we going to do? I'm freaking out. Like, is the world ending over there? Is everywhere a third world country that doesn't have In-N-Out? I don't know. And one of the things I didn't, I didn't like about it was the, the misleading terms, L.A. to Paris. And when I, when I got her the tickets, it, it was a simple, straight flight, L.A. to Paris. And for any of you guys that ever taken a trip, how many of you guys have ever like, flown overseas to Europe or anywhere else? Oh, man, there we go. It is so misleading, whatever your ticket says, L.A. to Paris. A lot of times we talk about our trips and uh, we focus a little bit more on the destination. But it's more than that. You see, I had to get on a journey just to go from L.A. to Paris. Because it wasn't just L.A. to Paris. It started waking up at 4 in the morning to get to LAX, which in itself is a journey. (laughs) I felt by the time I got to the airport... I was like, so can we just buy a mug and just get out of here or what? Like, can we just turn this sucker around and get home before McDonald's stops serving breakfast, you know? And uh, we have to sit in traffic for about two or three hours. There's so much frantic packing that I feel like I'm going to forget something. And sometimes I think we do this where we freak out about we're forgetting something, that we overpack and then forget the simplest of things. And so I'm sitting there. And I'm, I'm, pr- I'm waking up, and I'm just, like, trying to get as much sleep as I can while I was also getting out the door. We get out the door. We get to LAX, finally. We get in there. Nothing is open to eat except, of course, Jack in a Box. And everyone here knows, oh, how great is Jack in a Box at 5 o'clock in the morning? You know, like, that's exactly what my body needs right now is just very, just very, various types of fried oils that are just hitting my mouth when my body's not quite woken up yet before I go on a certain plus our flight. So we're sitting there, we're waiting, and then when we get there, we're having to carry the bags, we're checking things in, I'm afraid they're going to lose things, and then we finally get to board the plane, and so we get on the plane, and uh, of course there's so many seats available, and we have to be the only people, I think we look around, that have a person in the middle of us. Everyone else has an extra seat except us. And I'm sitting here like, this is ridiculous, dude. So then we tried to get up and switch, and we had to pull the pregnant card kind of thing because it was early in the pregnancy. Like, I really can't be here. And I'm like, my wife is in this state here, and I'm just sitting there just comfy as heck, finally. But then they ring that little bell. That, that captain comes in with the same kind of nonchalant tone that you don't want out of someone that's flying you miles in the air with like a such uncertainty, which is why I don't like it too. He goes, it's going to be an 11 and a half hour flight. I'm like... What? <laughs> 11 and a half hours? I don't think I've ever been conscious for 11 and a half hours, let alone on a plane for 11 and a half hours, flying through the sky. So I get there, and they're like, also, oh, our in-flight entertainment is not working. So then I go, whatever, I'm going to plug my headphones in. I plug my headphones in. Only one headphone works. And I'm sitting here going, oh, my goodness, dude. And then, of course, in the row we're in, the only row we can get switched to so we can have the space is right by the bathrooms. The odds are stacked against me, friends. 11 hours, right by the bathroom. There's a lot of people on this plane. It's gonna, I'm going to really pay the price there. <laughs> then I'm sitting here going, there's no one to find entertainment. I'm going to have to go on my phone 
the whole time for 11 hours. And I look at my phone and realize, I didn't charge my phone last night. And I look at 30%. And I look at this monitor, and it says 11 hours. And I go, this is going to be a journey. And by the time we get there, we try to find a taxi, and then we get a taxi, and the taxi kind of rips us off. He's like, it's the best deal there. And then when we get there, we look it up on Uber that it was like $20 cheaper than taking the taxi. The guy drops us off in front of a building that wasn't our location, so we had to walk with all of our luggage all to this place to finally get into our Airbnb. And by that time, I'm drained. But I'm in Paris, (laughs) you know? And I think this is what's been crazy to me is a lot of times, like I said, we talk about our trips that we're going on, but our focus is more on the destination than the journey getting there. LAX to Paris is quite a journey, and in fact, it's not easy traveling anywhere. In fact, I would even go so far to say you've got to go through some stuff so that you can get to the destinations we so badly desire. And lately in ASM, we've been talking about this idea that's been kind of a huge disconnect possibly with our walks with God, this idea that we are so focused on a destination that we lose sight of the journey. And God, he has something to show us to make this destination more than just sightseeing, but to make it an adventure. You see... I've come to realize that God, God really loves the journey. But we, we like destination. We like LAX to Paris. But God goes, I like the people on the way. I like that that traffic, that frustration, the patience you have to endure. And even in the areas of our life to get to that next season, He likes that journey. Which brings me to my first point. Is if you want to get to it, you got to go through it. You see, we go back to the scripture on the heels of this. They've just come to one of the greatest miracles of all. They basically take a kid's lunchable, which is just the fish and the loaves. And Jesus goes on to feed 5,000. And these people have witnessed this, walking with Jesus, going, this is miraculous. He's taken the hungry. He's taken those who have walked with us and followed, and he has provided. Hallelujah. Amen. And then he says, okay, here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to get in this boat. We're going to cross over, and I'm going to take some time to pray. And when we get there, we are going to meet up, and something's going to happen. And of course, seeing what Jesus has already done, they go, yeah, let's go. We're going to go. We've already seen some victory here. We've already made the plans. Get in the boat off the shores of Bethsaida, and we're going to go over and see what happens. But then they get in the boat, and immediately, as we said, the storms start hitting them. Immediately. And what do they do? They start to cry out. It says that they're afraid. Start freaking out, and they're just sitting on the sea. But how dumb does it look when they're thinking in that mindset, like, I think I'm just going to jump off. Maybe I'm just going to turn back because I bet you those people are still stoked and they'll probably give us somewhere to stay because, I mean, we were there when Jesus fed them, so maybe they'll want to have us around. But in this moment, Jesus gets in the boat, and when they get to the, 
the other side of the sea, they're watching the sick become well just by the touching of the end of his robe. They've gone from miracle to miracle, but not without some storms. There are people in here that I believe are headed to some amazing things. I believe that there's people in this room who are headed towards a promotion. I believe there's people in this room who are headed into some awesome new relationships. I believe that there's people in this room who are headed to some amazing work for the gospel kingdom. I believe that there's people heading to some healing, spiritual, physical, emotional. I believe that. But if you want to get to it, you're going to have to go through it. If you want to go from miracle to miracle, you better be ready to go through the storm. If you want to go from glory to glory, you better be ready for some sacrifice. If you want to go from blessing to blessing, you better be ready for suffering. Because that's what makes the next mountaintop even more beautiful and not just a sight to be seen. Because you appreciate it. Because you went through it to get to it. Amen? Amen. One of my favorite passages is in Isaiah. If you guys want to turn your Bibles there to Isaiah chapter 43. I think this is something that's powerful about Jesus in in this lesson that he has. When he's going through it with these people and he sees them going through it, one of the coolest parts is that he just doesn't watch them and laugh and go, Huh, that's funny. But in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2, it reads this. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you, for I am the Lord your God. God wants us to go through it. Not because he's evil or he's just stern and tough. He understands the brokenness of a fallen world and realizes storms are coming. But rather than just swat them away and have you live in ignorance of them, He decides to take these times to show you the greatness of his love and the greatness of the plan that he had for you before you were even born. How amazing is that? That when you feel like you're going through the toughest of waters, he goes on to say that if you go through the waters, I'll be there. And when you go through rivers... They will not sweep you away and overwhelm you. When you go through fire, you won't be burned. No flame will consume you because of who I am and how much I love you. How can we frantically panic in the boat when we're given that promise? God is in the business of through, but we always want to. So the question is, how do we get there? How do we get to a place that when we're going through it, when we can't get out of bed because we are just drained 
We're afraid of running into that person. We're afraid of what they're going to say. We're afraid of that encounter. We're afraid in anything. How do we get to a place where we can remind ourselves, I'm just going through it, which must mean I'm getting to it. The first thing I think we need to do is it's a change of mind. Now, if you know me or my family, changing anyone's mind is very hard. And maybe you have family members who are like that. I, I can be very hard to change my mind. I'm one of those people that kind of needs to take time and assess everything and have all the information at once. And I know it makes my wife really upset because she wants me to do something and ask, you just need to do this thing. And then I go, well, let's assess what the problem is. We had an issue with a door in our house. This door uh, to our child's room just keeps opening and it won't latch closed, right? And, and our dog, um, which I think it's adorable, our dog just keeps opening the door and laying right at the foot of his crib. Aw, I think it's a Hallmark moment. <laughs> but what my wife sees is, I gotta vacuum this room now. Every day, and this kid's not even here yet. Which is fair. So she goes, we need to, we need to uh, replace this little lock thing. And I go, well, do we know it's the lock? I don't know. Replace it and see. And I go, well, I'm not just gonna replace it if that's not it. That's just extra work that doesn't need to be done. And then she goes, why don't you just replace the door? I went, I could just replace the door, but do we know if it's the door? She goes, what is it then? I don't know, you tell me. <laughs> I don't have all the necessary information. I could examine the door. We might have to bring a second of mind into this, like a second set of eyes. Maybe I'm seeing something we're not. And before I know it, we are yelling at each other about a door. And next thing I know, there's one slammed in my face. <laughs> So it's hard to change your mind. Because you see, when we're going through it, we forget about the destination. When I was on this plane, finally I was able just to take a nap. And when I woke up, I almost forgot I was on a plane. I just thought, I think this is my life now. I live in a tube. <laughs> oh, we're going to Paris? Great. What is, what's waiting for me there? Bread. Cool. Because I, I only like to travel for food, and my wife hates that about me. We get anywhere, and we get off a plane. She's like, there's so many things to see. There's so many things to do. And I'm like, they also have fries. <laughs> she was just talking recently. Yesterday, they were asking my wife, because my friends know they like that she likes to travel. And they're like, now that you've gone to Paris, now that you've gone to New York, well, you've gone to all these places, where do you want to go next? And she goes, Nashville. And I go, I'm kind of down for Nashville. She's like, you're down to go to Nashville? I'm like, oh yeah, load an RV up, let's go to Nashville, because that's on the ground. And when I bump into something on the ground, it's just a little bender. If I bump into something in the air, I'm plummeting to my doom. <laughs> and she's like, well, we're not doing that. I'm like, oh, but I'm down to go to Nashville. She's like, really? Because there's so much to see. There's so much country music. My wife loves country music, even though it's a direct result of the fall of man. And there's like all this other stuff. I'm sorry. I got the microphone. <laughs> She wants to go see these statues. She wants to go see these places. There's so much nightlife. And I go, yeah, that's cool. She's like, what do you want to see? Nashville hot chicken. <laughs> I kind of like the sandwich at KFC. I want to see if it matches up with the real deal. <laughs> and then we could just turn that sucker around. We're going there, you know? And she wants to change my mind to really be into this stuff. And I forget sometimes about the destination. I'm just focused on something else because it's the problem. It's something in front of me. We lose sight of what's promised when we're going through it. 
as believers, we have to start to let God renew and transform our minds. When we feel stuck in a storm, we feel like we maybe made a wrong turn or something's not going right. And you know what's so crazy about this is God in this, in this situation has given clear instruction, get in the boat, get on the water, other side, meet you there. And I'm starting to do that sometimes, and and I'm really scared. And you know what? I want to commend you parents, especially of the teenagers, because I can't tell you how many times we're coming here, and I have to tell them, okay, here's what you're going to do. Don't go here or go here. You're going to do this. And they're like, you got it. And then you turn your back for a minute, and you're like, where did they go? (laughs) And I feel like I have to have those conversations with your kids sometimes going, just get in the boat, go here, and that's it. And they go, got it. Now say it back to me. And then they say something different, like, no, get in the boat, go, go across there. And I'm sure you guys have way more conversations. Some of you guys have these conversations with your children, and your children are in their 40s. But that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Because it takes a change of mind. But they're given these instructions, so they know it's what they're supposed to do. But we, res- we revert back to our rebellious teenage ways spiritually, where we go, Why? And God hits us with that ultimate parent trap card, which I can't wait to use, because I said so. <laughs> and then we still say, why? But the best part about God is he's a perfect father, and he explains, because I love you. Because on the other side, something's better. But we just got to go through the boat. I'll meet you there. But then these people get in the boat, the storm hits. They know clearly that Jesus has told them to go, and what do they do? When the storm hits, none of them, no one speaks up in the scripture and says, hey guys, I think we should calm down. Jesus said that we're going to be okay. Like, he told us to be here. Why would he tell us to go if we're going to just crash like this? They freak out. And then when Jesus is walking on water, if that doesn't make you feel a little bit more calm, there's a storm going on, and Jesus is not only there in eyesight, but he's just kind of trutting along. It's like, just meant to pass by, guys. And then you just all look at each other and freak out even more. It's really hard to remember, where are we going again? (laughs) When we feel stuck in the storm, we just made a wrong turn. In reality, we have to remember, we're just in between two miracles. And that's a hard mindset. Because the storm can feel like it's been lasting for years. Some of you guys have been going through a storm that you've been battling and battling. What feels like years, whether you lost somebody whether you lost a job, whether you have this looming fear of somebody who's sick and it's, you don't know whether it's a waiting game or the time you have with them or am I getting to a miracle of healing? And so what happens when we get scared is we try to paddle the boat in our direction. I don't know what miracle was there, but I want that miracle. And I don't know if it's there. So I'm just going gonna, gonna to take the reins on this one, guys. I know Jesus said to just keep going, but I'm just, I think we're just going to turn this sucker around. Some of us get so frantic that we have family members or friends that when anything starts going around and we're all in the storm together, they just go, bye, and they just jump out the boat. And you're just like, what's happening? Where'd they go? And it's like, I'm taking on water. That's what's happening. But what would it look like if you were free from feeling stuck? But rather than being stuck, you were looking forward to the shores of glory promised to you by a loving and merciful father. It starts with a change of mind. 
to speak it into existence, to offer it up and to ask that God, God, am I on the right path still? I'm just checking in. Am I going the right way? Because it doesn't feel like this is okay. But if this is what it takes to go through to get to something greater than I can even fathom, then I will go. The next thing is it's a change of attitude. One thing about this story is that the people witnessed this miracle and they would kind of rather stay. Once we get to a miracle and we've gone through one storm, we kind of think in our lives, one storm's enough, I'm kind of good. You know? And we kind of have this attitude of like, I'm just drama free, I'm Switzerland, I stay out of it. I have, and, I, and I think it's with the kids they do it too, with all the social media. But trust me, I still have Facebook, which is where all your parents are on. <laughs> they're off of it. And I see it too. And you guys do it in a different way. They do it through subtweeting where they're just like, oh, cool to know I have real friends. And they don't tag anybody. And you're like, oh, geez. You guys do. Taking a social media break. I know what that means. There's somebody that's bothering you on your timeline. And you don't want to say something about it. And it's hard. Because we just think, I don't want to deal with it. I just rather stay in my miracle right now. But that's not what God has in store. What happened if Jesus just stayed there, the feeding of the 5,000? How many people would be without the miracle of being healed and be made well? You not changing your attitude and being afraid of the storm and fearing it, even though God's making a promise he'll protect you, is you telling God, I know there might be people who I can help to know you better and to take them to a mountaintop, but I like mine. And he thinks that's what I died for. For your little mountaintop. And I've got bigger ones that you can climb. And it's not that hard. You just got to stay in the boat. You see, Jesus gives instructions to get in the boat and head to Bethsaida to new shores, uncertain shores, and to do it alone. And the change of attitude simple. They just got to show up. When the storm came, fear set in, and fear sets in and does the very acronym, which I like to say, fear just stands for forget everything and run. Because that's what we do. We just run away. But then what's funny about fear is when we start to run away from the thing we fear, we end up right on the doorstep of the thing we feared. People start to run or jump off the boat, but we are not alone. We are not lost anymore. We have to trust in God and have hope. The last thing is, it's a change of heart. Fear and insecurity, it's the fog and the rain and the clouds and the choppy water that rocks our boats that represent our whole lives. But as the scriptures say in Hebrews 6.19, we hold this hope as an anchor for the soul. So why is hope so important? In Hebrews 11, it talks about our faith life. And it talks to about how our faith is this assurance of things hoped for that have yet to come. Things that are yet to be seen, but are promised. And that's powerful. 
It's powerful to me because hope then represents this fuel for our faith. And our faith, if that's the representation of what Jesus has done in our hearts and in our lives to transform us so that we can look at our lives and even though we're going through storms and some of the storms might be our fault, some of the storms might just be the world being broken regardless of it when it doesn't feel like it, that our faith is the representation to the world that even though I'm not all that I should be, because of Jesus, I'm a heck of a lot better than what I used to be. You will know me by my name, the name that Jesus wrote in my heart and wrote in the heart of those who raised me, and you will not know me by my mistakes. How many of you guys here felt like people really know you by your mistakes more than they know you by your name? That when they hear your name, you feel that it's anonymous with an action. Some of us are here, and one of my biggest fears, that we feel that when your kids hear dad, they hear, you know, stern, angry. When they hear mom, they hear not understanding, distant. And those things really cut to the core of us, because at the heart of it, we want the ones we love to know us by just our name, simply. But if we want a strong faith, we're lacking hope, we just got to get some more hope then, right? And I, I, I rattled my brain around this, and I think when I started to read more about it, it's simple. If you want hope, you just got to believe it to receive it. And like we said earlier, if you want to get to it, you're going to have to go through it. But to go through it, you're going to need hope. And simply, you have to believe that the hope that you have in Jesus is going to be a hope that you can fix your whole life upon. You've got to believe that God can make something good of this. You can't just start to think, okay, I'll just pray to God, and then I'm going to try this, 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 and this, and use my own things. Because by our own hands, we break things. But placing our lives in his hands and believing that we're going to receive that promise, he will carry us across the waters right onto the shores to a place we didn't even realize we wanted to be in. The change of heart that lives in us when we start to do this helps us in miraculous ways. You see... I want to close with this. I'm going to invite the band up to, to close with a song that I really felt that in my heart was something that I needed to let out and worship and to come before God and believe it. And to have a declaration that my hope, I want it to be built on you and not by my hands or anyone else's hands. I want it in the hands of the one who knows what's promised and what's waiting on the shores. In Hebrews 11 and verse 3, we talked about before this, at the beginning of it, it said that, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for the people of old received this. But look what happens when we change our hearts. Look what happens when we start to believe it, and then we start receiving it. It says here, by faith, 
Abel, offer, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by his accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. And it says, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. He was not found because God had taken him. It goes on in verse 8 that by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. It goes on to say, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive. It goes out that all these died in faith, but not having received the things yet promised, but have seen them and greeted them from afar, acknowledging that they were strangers on this earth, strangers to the storms of life, but knew they would be welcomed as father or, or family in front of the father. It goes on to say, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, was willing to offer up Isaac, who had received the promises. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were afraid of the king's edict. And by faith, the people in which he led crossed the Red Sea on dry land. But when the Egyptians, when they attempted, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell as they were just simply encircled for three days and those walls cracked and crumbled. What more shall we say? For time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, David, Samuel, the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms and forced justice, obtained promises, and stopped the mouths of lions. Those are some storms. And all these things, though commended through their faith, they did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witness, lay aside the weight and sin which clings closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Amen. When you go through the storms, a change of mind, a change of attitude, and a change of heart will serve as a reminder when the storms of this life come crashing on us, we know that there is a destination still waiting. A heavenly one. A destination waiting beyond the fog and the gloom of the world that we're living in now. And we feel that we have to take on water alone because storm is tearing away the boat. We can remember that hope floats. <laughs>